Hello, it's Monday the 14th of August. I'm Rob Hutton and I'm starting the day with a steaming mug of Franklin Gothic Bold Condensed. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we survey the wondrous world of news, hoping to taste the riches of sweet journalism, while avoiding the grisly bits that stick in your teeth. We're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Hey, teacher, leave those grades alone. Students face bumpy ride as exam grades return to earth. Sun, soccer, sun, story, signal, silly, season, start. News is thin and the tabloids are getting creative. And Rishi's cunning plan. The Prime Minister explains away NHS failings by saying things are even worse in Wales. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. I'm Rob Hutton, and joining me is the author and journalist, Substack's man most likely to explain train gauges to you, John Elledge. See, I think you're meant to. I think that's meant to be an insult, but I think that's actually <laughs> going to get me more subscribers. You're so thank it. you, Rob. Thank Lean you. into it. <laughs> Also joining us is a writer and comedian whose credits include cancelled shows from The Mash Report to Mock the Week. <laughs> Bringing her magic touch to paper cuts, it's Athena Kugleno. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> what have we got on the front pages today? John. So, over in the mail, uh, we've got patients trying to escape Labour's Welsh NHS. Uh, so they've, they've, find, they've found an anti-Labour angle on the everything is collapsing around us story. Uh, the Star has uh, a story about a heat wave. They've gone with We're Med for it. Uh, and inside, it's French fries all round. Uh, and then uh, a cheery one over in The Guardian. Lower income pupils expected to be hit hardest by grade deflation. Hmm. Well, Lovely day. Happy days. Happy days. Athena, what have you got for us? Uh, the Sun leads with Kane could play for Germany. <gasps> um, there's a great sub heading. Um, it's our worst... Nightmare. Worst. Aha, yeah. like the Lovely. Germans, right? Lovely. You've got we'll come back to that story. <laughs> uh, the Daily Express optimism Brexit boost bringing business back to Britain. Hurrah! It's Ex- all all right. Excellent. Right, and great. And the Times, uh, quite a sad one. Oh no, this is the this is uh, the Times has got one about university A levels. Activist teenagers are making sociology a hot topic at A level. We will also be coming to that. In fact, we're coming, coming, coming to that right now. Because it's that time of year when seedy men with cameras start hanging around schools asking teenage <laughs> girls to jump up and down for them. Yes, it's A-level results week. But amid the happy stories of bright sparks heading to Oxford and Cambridge with the sort of starred bits of paper you usually only see outside West End theatres, it looks set to be a tough week for a lot of kids. John, what's going on? So, during the pandemic, they cancelled all the exams because somebody somewhere decided that with COVID-19 raging, it would be a bad idea to make a bunch of teenagers sit in a small room coughing on each other. And and instead, uh, there was a complicated system in which like, I think schools basically like worked out their own A-level results and then they were moderated by national government, which... It was a mess. It was a total mess. It was, to- it, was, it was hilarious the way it turned out. Private schools did really well under that system. Who could have foreseen that? Well, so um, because, because pretty much they, they, they started by going on what your teachers said. And then the moderation system was this thing where every year somebody has, has bad luck. So somebody who's predicted an, an A, for instance, say their younger sister has a noisy sleepover all night in the next room the night before their English lit exam and they sleep through the exam 
and they don't get an A, in fact, and it, it it's fine. But you never know who's going to have that random bad luck, who's going to get dumped the night before their exam. So the government assigned it to people, basically. Yeah, the government assigned <laughs> it. And then they and then they realised that was a problem, mm. that you can't randomly assign bad luck to people. Although, obviously, that happens all the time. And so everybody had to get what they were predicted. So mm. far more people got A stars and Bs and so on than they would normally get. And, yes. Last year, we went to a normal exam-based system. And last year's A-level results have the widest disadvantage gap since statistics on it began, which is the gap in average point scores between the, the more disadvantaged and the wealthier pupils. This year, uh, A-level results are out on Thursday. And the Social Market Foundation has put out a report basically saying that it's going to be even worse. And that basically, like, we're expected to see quite significant grade deflation, which is like, you know, fewer, fewer good grades from from those halcyon years of the pandemic. And that this is going to hit poorer kids worse. Right. And indeed, this this happened last week in Scotland. A version, a version of this has already we've with the Scottish hires. They've already had the um, deflation. Athena, aside from generations that had to go and fight in world wars, has any generation of teenagers had as much crap as the ones currently finishing school what's crazy about these teenagers is not only have they had a really bad time of it like with with things going on like covid and the economy they've had a bad time with the government that's in charge doing these really (laughs) bad things this isn't about um this isn't about grade deflation this is about which sectors were resilient to the challenges of COVID and which sectors weren't. The state sector wasn't resilient. I remember when this government was going to give loads of computers, for example, to low-income pupils so they could study at home. What happened to the computers? Didn't happen. Okay. I remember when they were supposed to do catch-ups to, uh, you know, in the state mm. sector to kind of make up for COVID. What happened? Didn't pay the teachers, they were on strike. Okay. So this is that's what we're seeing here. This is literally what we're seeing. We're seeing a gap between the, the schools that had the uh, strategies in place to upskill their kids uh, and the schools that didn't. And and that's literally all that's happening. So, so yeah. in, I mean, during COVID, me. it, 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 private schools, for instance, just sent all the children an iPad. They had that stuff anyway, um, right? Yeah. They're, and, they're private yes, school kids. <laughs> Could you imagine being a private school kid and have an iPad? That's crazy. I'm going to yeah. spend 20 grand on your education and, you, and they live in like like um, like the Amish. No, they yeah. have all this stuff already. Okay, But but uh, state school s- s- pupils would have needed similar assistance. I very... I, I mean, I doubt they got it because I've seen this government. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to no, make an assumption didn't, they didn't. And, and, and there was... were all kinds of, I mean, you know, all sorts of people were sort of volunteering their old laptops. And yeah. there were all kinds of things happening to try to help these kids. But it... it um... These kids don't get food. Okay. <laughs> they're not even getting lunches okay so yeah I think these results a lot of people are going to talk about these results and then and I hope the focus is on what has happened to make make up for what was absent absent during COVID and not just people who were bad in an exam hall this is about two or three years of tuition that should have given them some resilience against the, what they didn't have in those two or three years and that hasn't happened also like two or three years like you know an our kind of age that goes past if you blink yeah mm. whereas you know if you're, if you're a kid or a teenager two or three years that's an enormous chunk of your life. That is a huge chunk of education to have missed. It feels absurd to me that, like, you know, even the kids who are doing the exams now, their education was still disrupted by COVID. It was just at an earlier stage. I think I'm right in saying that the kids who are doing A-levels this week may not have done No, GCSEs. they didn't do GCSEs. So, so, so there's a whole bunch of 18-year-olds who their first exams were their A-levels. Right. The first, the first 
proper which public is, exams in an exam hall. Which is insane, because, like, I mean, do, does anyone else still get the exam anxiety dreams? Listen, if I'm the government, if I'm the education... And I don't, I don't even know who the education secretary is now, because there have been so many. Oh, it could have, Hang on, Gillian Keegan. It's like the sugar babes. It's like, who, who's the, who's the line-up <laughs> now? I don't know these people, OK? Like, mm. If I'm the education secretary, I'm thinking, let's stick in some... Let's stick in some mocks. Let's stick in more mocks, OK? Or let's slightly revise how we test people. Let's put more emphasis on coursework. It seems to make sense to me than to say, by the way, sit down. Can children sit down for three hours anymore? I can't do it. Okay. Yeah, and so, yeah their GCSEs were cancelled. They were out of school. Way when school came back, as you say, teachers were striking. And by the way, when they get to university, they are just about to hit a nastier, uh, more expensive loan system, which they will be paying until retirement. Yes. So um, that's before we get to talk about retirement where they'll have no house. A retirement where they have no pension <laughs> yes, as well. Right. <laughs> so there won't be any retirement. That's the lack of pension isn't a problem if you're not going to retire. Yes. But it just feels like this would have been the ideal moment to kind of rethink whether it's sensible to like base kids' life chances on how they perform in like a bunch of three hour exams over a month long period when they're 18. Like whether actually there may be a better system. And we just, as in so many ways, we could have reformed things after the pandemic and we just didn't. We just went back to where it was before. It's an exciting morning because the sun has officially kicked off the silly season. That's the time of year when, with everyone on holiday, the papers have to start making stories up out of whole cloth simply to fill the pages. And this one is a belter. Now, uh, we're going live to our made-up sports news expert, Athena. Oh, right. I've got a wonderful story on the desk. Um, Kane could play for Germany. That's Kane Jr., Right, because Harry Kane's partner is expecting a child. So this child. is not Harry Kane. This could is not. Play this is not. For, right. He, Harry Kane can't. He's English through and through. He's a bulldog. He's one of us, Robert. He's one of us. But <laughs> but his child might not be. Okay. Right. So you know the son this of. Is, Doug, this is how 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 old is his child? Um, zero. Right. Zero. Okay. Not minus zero. two yeah. weeks. I think. Is it, is minus it, two weeks. Is, yes. Is his, is his child good at football? Um, I don't. He's kicking. Pregnant, <laughs> pregnant Kate. Um, Kate is Harry Kane's partner, and he's kicking. It, it might be left-footed. It might be right-footed. It would be nice right. to get left-footed centre-back balance. Um, so you know, let's all let's all let's cross our fingers for a left-footed Englishman. Okay, what if he? But comes, he's going to be a German. Well, we don't know. We have to we we'll have to see what the crime sounds like. Because he's going to be born in Germany. The, the story basically. I mean, John. There's something magnificent about this, isn't there? <laughs> so like, I'm actually quite impressed with this story. Like someone at the Sun has clearly had a brainwave and been like, this kid might be born in Germany. If so, I'm going to ring them and find out if that qualifies him for German citizenship. And it does. So like that's actually, I think that's actually quite industrious on the part of the of, Yeah, of the no, Sun well reporter. done. Well, well, great Sunday Although, for Monday story. It, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Although it does mean that like, you know, they are being, the Sun is pretended to be outraged that a heavily pregnant woman who might be about to give birth has done some investigation of whether or not there are hospitals in Germany. <laughs> and the Sun seems genuinely like, it's, it's, it's patriotism is properly offended by this, that she's not just going to like give birth in the street or something. <laughs> um, what other, what other great silly season stories have we got? You've got the Telegraph. There. I do have the. Oh, I'm so sorry. I do have the Telegraph. Um, they've got a story about. Um, it seems to have come from a Facebook group, which which is apparently a source. No of news finer these source. Days, um, about about um, the Tor Torbay Council has painted uh, the ground in a junction in in the seaside town of Paynton. Um, 
So that it's it, you kind of need the. I'm going to hold it up. It's a deeply point. confusing pick. It, it does look it, like a deeply confusing blue and red roundabout. It, and looks, I, it does look like something out of a Lego set. I'm not going to lie. I to mean, you. I did actually when I saw it's that. Not, I did actually think that is that there's a little Legoland driving course yeah. at Legoland Windsor, and that is what it looks like. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think the logic is like if you're driving towards this thing at a certain point, you're like, "What the hell is that?" and you slow down because you don't understand it. So I think that's how it's meant to work. But um, in in the in the um the paint and Facebook group. Uh, it's been labelled a waste of money. Some have compared it to an emergency helicopter landing pad, an octagon fighting ring, a big swimming pool, or Legoland. Legoland. Um, <laughs> what I really, but what I, something I really like about this is like the the opening line of this story, which is a. Uh, from the Telegraph, it's nestled in the heart of the English Riviera. Painton has long been famous for its long sandy beaches and iconic pier. That is a sentence written by someone who has never been to the seaside town of Paynton, which is genuinely one of the most depressed postcodes in the whole of England. And they just haven't bothered to Google it before just assuming, oh, it's a seaside resort in Devon. It must be nice. I think that's just how that's, that's how that intro that's that is the intro that is required on that story. It no, is. I, I swear, I was in. So, like, we 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 ended up going on holiday to uh, to Torquay last year because my 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 partner found she'd lost her passport the night before we were due to fly to Lisbon. <laughs> no. um, and Paynton is just up the road, so I kind of walked down there one day. And I swear, it's the only place I've ever been where there was a tannoy announcement in the boots, warning shoplifters that there are cameras. <laughs> it's not. It, it is not a thriving place. Right. This is not the biggest problem faced by the people of Paynton. Athena, any more made-up news in the sun? Oh, yeah. I mean, this isn't made-up news. This is our true and shroud. Okay. <laughs> Don't look bark in anger. Um, there is a tree, and it's a moody tree, and it looks like Oasis star Liam Gallagher. And it, it kind of does. A little... I mean, let's... I mean... I'll show I, it to I, the does, camera. Does it? Does it? I mean, I mean it does. Liam Gallagher, I, I, you know, okay, a fair tree. Enough. A tree, Liam no. Gallagher. A tree. Oh, sorry, guys. I got it mixed up. Um, <laughs> a Liam Gallagher tree. Yeah, it's re- it's remarkable. I hope we keep that tree. Um, I hope I hope that we, we form a ring around it and prevent it from developers building flats there or yeah. something because, you know, when Liam is you not don't, gone, You don't need to form a ring to prevent developers <laughs> building flats where there's a tree. <laughs> the internet will do that for you. <laughs> there right, is a list on. of o- Oasis tree songs. Yeah, hit us. Ch- chop crying your heart out twiggerette and alcohol leaf leaf forever leaf forever log roll with it woody wall oh do you know what i mean my favorite some might sway Oh, yeah, way. they really yeah. ran out of yeah. ideas about a third of the way through that list and they just no, but good going. work good good work in general the sun now here at paper cuts we love a headline but before we hear about today's best Let's hear about last week's, well, not best. Every Friday, we take a headline that, frankly, disappointed us and ask you, our brilliant audience, to step in and show us how it's done in our Soar Away Fix the Headline competition. Last week, we told you that the beasts of Earth, Air and Sea were joining forces to wreak revenge on humankind, with orcas and hippos, wild boars and swans all launching attacks on us. And the headline was Psycho Critters, which was fine, it's fine, but not great. We knew you could do better. And you did. Chris Thompson wrote in with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Fight Them. (laughs) Robert Hinton had Bite Club. But the winner, by popular acclaim here in the studio, is Paul O'Neill with 
I fought the claw and the claw won. <laughs> Paul, we'll be dropping you a line to get your size and address and a paper cut t-shirt will be on its way to you. Try not to be savaged by a swan before you send us a selfie in it. Everyone else, be here for another Fixer headline in Friday's show. Meanwhile, what do the professionals have to offer in today's papers? Athena. This is, a, this is a lovely one in the star. This is about spy chiefs who want to recruit mums to MI5, MI6 and GCHQ. The headline, mum with the golden gun. <laughs> very tempted to reply. You can't tell us. You can't tell I us get, that you're replying. Do I, oh, I mean, very tempted to do nothing on this story. It does not appeal to me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, the mirror has a story about a cow that wandered onto a motorway. Get back on the herd shoulder. Very good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, the Telegraph has, I'm not even sure this counts as a story, it's just a picture. Uh, it's a bunch <laughs> of uh, police were sent to Bexley Heath, South London, after rumours on social media of a possible mass looting. Mass looting uh, of what? Of a branch of Greg's. Of course. Uh, there's a lovely picture of uh, about half a dozen coppers just kind of lining up outside. Like It looks like they want a sausage roll. Anyway, the headline is Stakeout. Very good. Yeah. Very good, The Telegraph. The Sun has another exclusive, which is uh, actor David Jason, uh, famous, of course, as Del Boy from Only Fools and Horses, is having a hip replacement. This has led him to uh, reschedule an Only Fools and Horses convention for next year because he'll be in recovery. Uh, the headline is, this time next year, I'll be the six million dollar man. I, I mean, I like it. You do need to understand, like, at least two different when, bits of pop culture from did, the late 20th century. When did the six century. million dollar man go off the air? In 1978. Right. So, so literally before I was born, and I'm tired. Yes. I have a theory. I have a theory that there is a secret organisation of sub-editors known as the League of the Twitching Beard, who roam newsrooms late at night, altering headlines to include cultural reference points that you basically need to be collecting a pension to understand. I mean, $6 million isn't that much money. <laughs> it's about $4 million. That might actually be what it costs to have two hip hop. It's, it's a one bed flat in zone three, I think. <laughs> I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saida Varsi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, speaking of made-up stories from people who've lost all hope, Let's check in on the Conservative Party. <laughs> Last week was Boats Week. This week, it's Health Week, which, if it goes as well as Boats Week, will end with Richie Sunak crashing his helicopter into a child cancer wing. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> John, what's going on? So, um, the front of the mail, um, they, they have this lovely story about, um, apparently, like uh, the poor Welsh people... Um, are putting up with uh, a Labour-run NHS that is so bad that they're now trying to flee across Offersdyke to to seek treatment in England. The uh, paradise, the NHS the, paradise. The NHS paradise, that is, is the English NHS. Yeah. Um, and um, But luckily, um, the, the Westminster Health Secretary, Steve Barclay, he's a generous man, so he said that the NHS should change the rules so that the English NHS can treat patients from Scotland and Wales. 
Um, the Welsh Secretary uh, David T.C. Davis, not to be confused with uh, the other rather more famous David Davis in the Conservative Party, yeah. uh, used the Sun on Sunday to to blame the controversial civil servant Sue Gray for a lot of this oh. because she's since gone to work for the Labour oh. Party. Um, <laughs> It's ama- the, 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 So there's a couple of incredible things about this. Firstly, it's like in no way is the government trying to say that things are good. They are not trying to sort of defend their achievements. Why are they not trying to say that things are good in the NHS? Athena, you've got small children. Are things good in the NHS They're in not, England? We, I don't think they are. A few weeks ago, I remember seeing a story on the news about the NHS and basically there was like a six-year-old girl with no teeth <laughs> and they'd all just fallen out. And every story you hear is something about this, a long wait for uh, cancer treatments, waiting lists. You know, it's never good news. You, you're just about be all right if you're sick and you go to hospital, but it's not going to be like going to a Marriott. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be like going to a travel lodge or something. One I mean, of the crappy the, the, ones the, the, in a car park. Story, the lead story on the BBC this morning is that the government is, is dealing with the fact that it's not meeting any of its uh, cancer waiting time targets by getting rid of some of the cancer waiting time targets, which is very much forehead tapping gif. <laughs> can't, can't miss a target they've got rid of. Yeah, it, um, I mean, cancer. <laughs> the target's for cancer. You know what I mean? You know, like we, we all know what cancer is, right? And I'm going, oh, that's okay. We'll see you when we see you. Like, what? <laughs> the government <laughs> is just basically trying to push cancer into sort of fighting the election on terrain that is, that, yes. that is uncharitable for cancer. Yeah, get cancer done. <laughs> um, so there were stories in both the uh, Saturday Times and the Sunday Times about about the sort of the, the strategy behind this, because this isn't... This isn't something that Steve Barclay has just come up with on the fly. Geniuses are at work on this. No, this is this is a key cornerstone of Health Week. Um, and basically, the, gov- the government has not only been briefing this story, it is pre-briefed that is going to be briefing this story. And a number of our very fine newspapers have essentially just taken dictation on this. Uh, this story, which is like saying, however bad you think it is, look at Labour-run Wales, it's worse. Um, and it's just like, it, it, it frustrates me so much that there is a large chunk of the British media that seems to think its job is to kind of, it doesn't think it's about holding the government to account. It is about holding the Labour Party to account for the way it opposes the government. And the, and these and these people are just like writing down what senior conservatives are telling them and pretending it's news. Is any of this going to work? I don't think so because there is another. There is another. Uh, the front page of uh, the, the the fake front page the Independent does every day, despite being online only yeah, these it's days. Yeah, not real newspaper, which is, but which is, it's got a paper, but there it's online. Very, very but they release a digital front page for for, I mean, for shows like us. Yeah, to exactly to make us talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not us specifically, but but that is about the fact that like the it's, it's, I it's something like I think a quarter of private rental sector accommodation now doesn't meet the decent home standard. So, like, the the problem the government has is that it's been in power for 13 years and everything is shit. Like, the whole country is falling to bits. The economy is in a state. Public services are in a state. I'm not sure just saying, look at Wales, it's pretty bad in Wales, is actually going to help. Athena? Well, what we're seeing is something playing out, which is the fact that journalism in this country is one of the least diverse sectors. Okay, Most journalists, particularly ones who write for the broadsheet newspapers, come from a very small and narrow section of society. So the people least likely to talk sense and talk about the society broadly as a whole, because they all come from a very narrow section of it. So when the government says jump, they will say how high. And this is probably, thinking about it from a conspiracy theorist point of view, why we don't really want people from certain places to study things like sociology, cultural studies, 
studies or even journalism, right? Because that will change. One day there'll be a cohort of people in the journalism industry large enough to say, what are you talking about when the government calls them and says, by the way, the Welsh Labour NHS is shit. How, there's about three million people in Wales. You know what I mean? Like, so what, maybe Welsh Labour is shit. What has that got to do with this of the country? You know, and it's a devolved, it's a devolved, um, it's a devolved aspect of government. So it's not, if we're talking about the English NHS, we shouldn't even be mentioning Scotland or Wales, you know, unless of course, you know, it's unless of course you think it's a good thing they're coming here because you don't want to be devolved anymore and you'd like us to be one nation again, in which case you are talking at cross purposes, right? So this is just a reflection of, of what, how the lack of diversity in journalism is affecting how we can hold the government to account because most people in journalism are massively connected to this particular government. There is a, I mean, there is a problem in political journalism that you, to do it, you sort of have to be able to take brief, you have to be able to take briefings from people without laughing. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I, you know. There's an amazing quote in Katie Bull's eye column uh, this weekend in which uh, some unnamed conservative basically said, uh, well, Labour should be scared because the conservatives are likeable again now. <laughs> And I, 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 you know, I know, I know Katie a bit. I'm sure you do too. I genuinely admire the fact that she was able to have that conversation and keep a straight face. Yeah, it's a skill. It is. It is an important skill. Let's move to other stories in the papers. Um, the Guardian. It's on the front page. It's not strictly features and lifestyle. It's absolutely great piece of reporting by Dan Boffy um, about sappers in Ukraine, the most heavily mined country on earth. John, have you had a chance to have a read of this one? So yeah, it is. It is an incredible piece of reporting. The the retreating Russian army has apparently mined Ukraine so heavily uh, that uh, one one Ukrainian general told told the Guardian that his soldiers were unearthing five landmines for every square meter, which is an incredible statistic. Apparently, they would take if they had ten thousand deminers, it would take them a decade just to clear the mines they've already found. And these are when we talk about. Mines. I mean, there's a, there's a, a really vivid description of all of these different kinds of horrible things that basically fire explosives into the air and then blast out in midair to sort of shatter, spend sort of razor sharp fragments of metal mm. into people at chest height. It's the, the thing that the Ukrainian medics are having to deal with most of all is people with artillery damage and people with mine damage. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's 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 not a fun read. It's not, but it's it's an incredible piece of journalism, and it, it is nice just occasionally saying, "Hey, the newspapers have done something really yeah. good, and you should read it because it's important." Yeah, no, do do read that. It's online, Dan Boffy. Well done, Dan. Um, in a in an effortless segue from uh, mines in Ukraine, um, Athena. Take us to 3D printers. This is a promising story for me personally. 3D printers have been one of my disappointments, one of my great disappointments, probably second only to the Google to the Google Glass. Okay. Yeah. But the Times, there is hope here. Frying tonight, vegan calamari that's fresh out of the 3D printer. A 3D printer can print the most tasteless, <laughs> textually unappealing fish, a squid but it's printed out from a printer. Right. What's, it, um, what's it made out of? It's made with protein made from microalgae and mung beans. I'm more concerned about whether or not my computer my computer is going to connect to the printer. Yeah. What if you're really hungry and it's like printer do cannot be turn, found? Do you need to stop it halfway through and turn the squid over? Oh, uh, do you know what? I, I don't know, but there's a picture of it here and it just sort of looks like a sort of three worms in a circle. 
Um, That's I'm... what's happened there is they've printed it and then it's got to the printer and they've realised that it's set to US plate size <laughs> and now it's now it's refusing to accept it. I sort of think when 3D printers first came out, they were like, oh, you can use to print a gun. I was like, great. Um, um, and I, I still haven't got my 3D printed gun. And then they were like, oh, you can use it to like, you know, they apparently they're going to need to do prosthetics and stuff. And I've not really seen this. And now they're like, what else can we promise they can do? Like, squid, which is the most random thing. So like you think it'd be steak. I think, if, you know, it would be something that we just sort of have more often or, or drumstick. Um, but they've gone for squid, which means they're just quite middle class. Like, what should we make tonight? Oh, we'll, we'll get it to print calamari. Like, what's... Calamari is my go-to starter. Do you I know what I mean? Say. Like, like I think I just like, I just like the garlic. What, do you know, what, do you know, when I ate meat, I did used to like a bit of uh, salt and pepper squid. Yeah, I've got to, I've, I've got to say, I'm, I'm mocking it, but... Um... I like white bait because it makes me feel like a giant. <laughs> yeah, little fish, little fish. Yeah, little, little fish. I mean, if I had a 3D printer, the, a squid is the last thing that would come to my mind. <laughs> do you, but um, I, what I do is I print a skeleton key so I could break into places. And, you know, MI5, not that I want the job, but I'm just no, saying... No, you're not interested I, in working for I just want them to know thinking. how I think. Yeah, um, guns, skeleton keys. Yeah, but it's... Dean is your woman, but at, she's not interested. Yeah, but just, just, just so the Times and anyone else knows, I'm a vegan, we're not asking for this. <laughs> we're not asking we don't want 3D printers to print animals we just want to eat our lentils in peace don't you want, don't you want pretend bacon no we don't want so pretend bacon we just eat crisps there's, there's the salt that's all we want we just want the salt I mean I'll, I, I just want crisps yeah <laughs> maybe I could be a vegan That brings us to the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John Ellidge. Thank you. Thanks to Athena Kublainu. Thank you. And thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. And if you love us, leave us a five-star review and tell your friends. It's magic. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget, fix the headline. Follow our Twitter and threads for a story with a rubbish headline that you can improve and you might win a silky smooth T-shirt. I've been Rob Hutton. You've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the AA said there had been a sharp rise in the number of people driving the wrong way on motorways because they were blindly following their sat-navs. It turns out it may not be the artificial intelligence that kills us all after all. <laughs> See you next time. Papercuts was written and presented by Rob Hutton with Athena Kablenu and John Ellidge. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. Managing editor of news, Jacob Jarvis. Producer was Sophie Black. Music composed by Simon Williams and executive producer, Martin Boytosh.